the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on this beautiful July 22nd, 2023. The month is almost over. I can't believe it. Just uh, the other day, we were celebrating 4th of July. Well, it's uh, been a busy week, my friends. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on and um, the uh, great guests that we've got today. First of all, uh, we had some friends from Finland visiting uh, and touring the border. They're doing a, a worldwide documentary about what is happening at our borders and uh, my friends, it's rather scary talking to them because they have seen what has been happening in Europe with their open borders. And it's not nice. It's not very, very good, my friends. So uh, I think um, we may be heading in the same direction. Uh, and we'll talk about that uh, on another occasion. But uh, let me tell you who our guests are today. First of all, we've got uh, Mr. Ira Melman, who is uh, with the uh, Federation for American Re immigration reform in Washington, D.C. He's going to be giving us an update of what is happening in D.C. and uh, some um, uh, action that is going on against the uh, Biden administration as they play a shell game uh, with immigration statistics. We also have Mr. Andrew Arthur, who is with the Center for Immigration Studies he, in, uh, in D.C. He's going to be chatting with us uh, about an article that he recently wrote uh, regarding the impact of uh, the uh, illegal aliens on our economy and our and our community, we then have Mr. David A uh, Agron with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. David is going to be talking to us about the issue of the cartels and uh, the impact, the economic impact that they have in our uh, community. Finally, we've got uh, Mr. Charlie Wilkerson. Charlie is uh, the executive director for CLEAT, the um, Combined Law Enforcement Association of Texas. These are the folks who are the umbrella organization for all of the police departments and all of the uh, deputy associations in Texas. And they, my friends, are he's going to tell you about the, the battle that is going on in Austin to defund the police. It is scary, and it could happen in your community soon. So, folks, without further ado, let's go to our first guest, Mr. Ira Melman. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Ira Melman, from uh, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, from FAIR. 
And uh, I wanted to reach out to him because uh, there's an interesting article that Fair has. Uh, I wanted him to uh, talk to us about it. Ira, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Um, thank you very much. Tell us about this uh, this latest article that um, that Fair has. Yeah, I mean, it kind of falls under the category of a really big oops. Uh, the Border Patrol had a somebody who was on their terrorist watch list in their custody. But because of all the pressure from Washington to release people as quickly as possible, uh, to keep up with the pace of the influx of illegal migrants that this administration is letting into the country, they actually turned him loose. Uh, he was put back out on the street. Uh, you know, the, there was miscommunication with the various departments. But, you know, the real responsibility for this rests in Washington, D.C. They have created the problem. Uh, they have created a situation where the enforcement agencies simply cannot keep up with the flow and do their jobs. Uh, and this is a case where they released a terrorist. Thankfully, he was caught about a month later. But what should really worry us is what we don't know. Uh, you know, the p other people who might have been released mistakenly or among the 1.5 million people who came into the country under President Biden without being encountered by the Border Patrol, how many of them uh, were on the terror watch list or uh, some hardened criminals? These are the things that we have to be concerned about, uh, but apparently nobody in the White House seems to be. And, uh, you know, and neither do, does the um, the mainstream media talk too much about this. We've, no. Yeah. Yeah. We've got we've got a situation here in San Antonio, for example, where the mayor, where, where the governor, excuse me, the sheriff of Bear County in San Antonio is investigating uh, Governor DeSantis for supposedly human trafficking to Hyannisport or to uh, Martha's Vineyard. However, there there is no knowledge of whether or not there are pedophiles, murderers, uh, terrorists out there at the uh, at the migrant center at this point, because nobody's vetted those folks. No, nobody has. It's just, you know, look what's happening right now in New York City, uh, where a lot of the migrants are winding up. And by the way, I guess you could probably... Uh, look to prosecute the Biden administration because they have been complicit in human trafficking and smuggling as well. Uh, but it, it, you have dangerous people to a point where the New York City Police Department doesn't want to go into these shelters. Uh, there was a story that the you know the Honduran migrants, I think it was, or maybe it was Guatemalan migrants, have taken over the drug trade in San Francisco. These are the sorts of things that they should be looking at. You know, yeah, maybe, you know, uh, Governor DeSantis had a little publicity stunt there and sent some people to Hyannis uh, because, you know, they claim to be a, a sanctuary. Uh, but the real problem is the impact that it's having on communities all across the country. When you have a situation where New York City has to go out and hire special forces uh, to go into these shelters because it's too dangerous for anybody else to go in, that ought to be concern number one. Uh, you know, Governor DeSantis' little publicity stunt maybe, you know, should come further down the line. But, you know, in this highly charged political and politicized era, uh, everybody's looking to make an example of the guys they don't like and ignoring all the bad stuff their own people are doing. Now, does, does this situation, the lack of vetting, the lack of, of, of knowledge of, uh, of doing background checks, do you see that changing in any time, any time in the future? I mean, I mean, th th this is an impact on uh, American public safety. 
Yeah, not, not at the pace that they're letting people into the country. By the way, you, you know, you've, you'll see them bragging about the fact that the number of uh, encounters by the Border Patrol at the southwest border has been reduced uh, in recent months. But that's only because they're redirecting them through other channels. Uh, the use of the phone app, uh, the abuse of the administration's power of parole to let people into the country who have no business being here. Uh, the, they're just being vetted someplace else, and the numbers are so great that they can't do anything more than take a quick look. And when you are rushed to do the job, there are going to be a lot of mistakes made, and there can be some very, very costly mistakes. Uh, you know, even the New York Times reported a few months ago that with the number of unaccompanied minors coming in, the Department of Health and Human Services takes custody of these kids, and Secretary Javier Becerra uh, had was caught on tape telling his people you've got to speed up the assembly line that's exactly the word he used assembly line uh you know we just want to get them through here uh if you go back to alejandro mayorkas's days as the head of the u.s citizenship and immigration services bureau under president obama his motto there was get to yes do whatever you have to do to to let people into the country, get them through the process as quickly as possible. So, you know, thankfully we haven't had a real major disaster, uh, but we're just asking for trouble by doing this. They're playing Russian roulette with the safety of the American public. Incredible. And it just doesn't seem to, it just doesn't seem to matter to them. This is, this is the other thing is, I mean, you couple this open border uh, situation with the dangers uh, that are in it, along with the defund the police movement. And I mean, it just seems like uh, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. It, it is, uh, you know, just look at what's going on in many places of the country. Uh, it, it is a recipe for disaster. And really, I mean, it started with immigration law, you know, we, the undermining, chipping away at the integrity of the law. Uh, we now see it extending to other areas of law enforcement. You know, you can take up to $950 of merchandise out of a store in San Francisco and you can't be prosecuted. Th this is what erodes the foundations of society. We're facing it. We need to de deal with it. Uh, but this administration clearly I mean, they it's not that they're not up to the task. They were refusing to even address this task. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they keep, they, they, uh, here in San Antonio, they continue to scream about a humanitarian crisis while the, out there at the Migrant Center, we see people uh, on a daily basis smoking marijuana, uh, standing around uh, trying to make uh, connections for uh, illegal work as well as uh, prostitution in the evening. I mean, and nothing, you know, and the police are actually told to stay away from there. Incredible. R yeah, and, and, you know, you mentioned prostitution. Uh, in addition to the human smuggling, there is human trafficking. Uh, these are people who are being brought to the United States and put into exploitative uh, situations, including uh, the, the sex industry. Uh, you know, I mentioned Javier Becerra's rush to get the unaccompanied minors out. They were turning these kids over to agents of the cartels. The cartels expect to get paid. Uh, you know, they're not doing this out of the goodness of their heart, bringing people to the United States. These children have to work uh, in some way or another to pay off their, their debt to the cartels. Uh, you know, the lucky ones go to work in factories and doing all sorts of jobs that uh, minors should not be doing, uh, but the unlucky ones wind up precisely in the kind of sex trades that you were talking about there. It, it is abhorrent. It, it ought to just, you know, sting our consciences uh, here in the United States that, that we are facilitating, our administration is actually facilitating these sorts of situations. It's disgraceful and it needs to stop. Yeah. I, I I couldn't say it better. Uh, tell us uh, tell the folks where uh, where how and they can uh, how they can support fair and 
where they can uh, find you on the uh, on the website to uh, to learn more about uh, what is happening. Sure. The, the website is fairus.org. That's F-A-I-R-U-S dot O-R-G, fairus dot org. Uh, all the information is on there, and, you know, it, just look around you. Uh, we, we need some action here. We need the American public uh, to stand up and have their voices heard. You got it. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Ira Melman from the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform from FAIR. Ira, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. A pleasure. Thank you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Um, Andrew Arthur, who is the um, who is the senior fellow at uh, the, the Center for, Amer- for Immigration Studies in D.C. And I wanted to get him on because he's just finished up a very interesting article that uh, I think those of us here in South Texas and everybody along the border, of course, all the way to, to uh, San Diego, will be interested about um, what is uh, happening or what is not happening with regards to security on the border. All right. Thank you very, very much for uh, being with us today. Thank you uh, for taking time. Uh, talk to us. Tell us. Tell us about this article that you did and the research. So uh just need to take a step back to January the 5th, uh, in advance of the end of Title 42, uh, which the Biden administration had, had almost a year to prepare for. The White House actually, you know, got serious about rolling out proposals that it hoped would blunt the number of migrants entering the United States illegally over the southwest border. The January 5th fact sheet. There were two key programs that were announced in that fact sheet. One was a parole program for nationals of Venezuela, Nicaragua, Haiti, and Cuba, people back in those countries, primarily not people at the border, that would allow them to apply for parole, uh, which is a very limited authority that Congress has given DHS, that would enable them to live and work in the United States for two years. And I call that the VNHC parole program for the four nationalities. A uh, component that was much more salient to border security, however, was an announcement that uh, migrants in northern and central Mexico, not just Mexican nationals, but uh, nationals of any country, would be able to use the CBP-1 app to schedule uh, interviews at the ports of entry. Now, keep in mind, George, none of those people have visas to enter the United States. They are de facto inadmissible to the United States and it's you know sort of like scheduling the time that you're going to appear at the police station except uh, all of those people know that once they show up at the police station they're going to get be given papers that allow them to live and work in the United States so it's um, a scam it's sort of a uh, uh, a shell game that the Biden administration is playing to hide the illegal immigration problem at the southwest border. It funnels those individuals through the ports uh, and pretends like their entry is somehow legal, although, of course, their entry isn't legal at all. There's no legal sanction for anything that the Biden administration is doing, which is why the state of Texas is suing to shut down the program. But that's sort of an aside. Then, on May the 16th, uh, DHS and DOJ issued a rule backdated to uh, May the 10th, the day before Title uh, 42 was uh, set to end, that limits asylum eligibility 
to all of those people who don't come in through the VNHC program, who don't come in through the CBP-1 app scheme, but who cross the border illegally anyway. If those individuals haven't applied for and been denied humanitarian relief in a third country, then they are uh, deemed to be ineligible for asylum in this country. So far, so good. The problem is that uh, that is shot full of exceptions and exclusions and caveats and catches and all that, which basically waters it down to nothingness. In any event, though, uh, a group called East Bay Sanctuary Covenant, which is out of uh, Oakland over in the San Francisco Bay Area, and the ACLU have sued in federal court in a case called East Bay Sanctuary Covenant versus Biden to shut down that part of the asylum restrictions that were implemented on May 16th, backdated to May the 10th. Uh, and they allege this violates the asylum laws of the United States and any number of other things. But last month in a uh, declaration that was filed by the Assistant Secretary for Border Security, a fellow named Blas Nunez Neto, uh, Mr. Nunez Neto actually disclosed a lot of facts about how this is working. So another key element of the Biden plan is that all of those people who enter the United States illegally are going to be subjected to what's called expedited removal. It's exactly what it sounds like. It enables CBP to remove aliens who have entered illegally or who show up at the ports without proper documents without putting them in front of an immigration judge. However, all of that comes with a catch, and the catch is that if those individuals subject to expedited removal ask for asylum or claim fear of harm if they return to their home countries, they're then interviewed by an asylum officer from U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services to determine whether they have what's called a credible fear. Credible fear is a screening standard to determine whether an alien may be eligible for uh, asylum. It's not a terribly high uh, screen. In fact, in the uh, 12-year period ended FY 2019, about 83% of all people who uh, claimed a uh, fear of harm of return were found to have credible fear. 83? Only, 83%? 83%, although at the end of the day, only 14% of those individuals were ever granted asylum. Meanwhile, 27% of them never bothered to show up in court or <laughs> showed up in court and then failed to appear and were ordered removed uh, in absentia. But that's a completely different story. So it's not a terribly high screening standard, but the Biden administration's release policies have encouraged so many people to come to the United States that CDP under the Biden administration has basically abandoned that expedited removal process Congress put in place back in 1996 to make it easier to do exactly what they're supposed to do, and that is to prevent illegal aliens from entering the United States. Uh, only in about 9% of cases in the last couple of years of aliens who are apprehended at the border has CBP even you know, put those people through that expedited removal process? So it's very underused, but the Biden administration now promises, really promises that they're going to use it. In fact, uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas in a May 11th press conference said that nearly all aliens who enter illegally are going to be subject to expedited removal. But we know that that's <laughs> not true from the statistics because uh, only uh, about... Uh, trying to remember what it was. I think it was 17%. Yeah. Uh, 23,800 of the 140,000 illegal migrants apprehended in May were actually subject to expedited removal. So that's sort of an empty promise. But 
we do know that at least some people have been subject to expedited removal. So, you know, the Biden administration is making a show of being tough. And uh, Nunez Neto's uh, declaration tells us the outcomes of those cases. So of 8,195 aliens who were apprehended by CBP and subjected to uh, expedited removal who claimed a fear of harm, 261 of them showed an exception to the rule. They said, look, no, I, I actually made an asylum claim somewhere else and it was denied, or I came in through the CBP-1 Act, or I took advantage of this special parole program for Venezuelans, Nicaraguans, Haitians, and Cubans. Another 8% of them were able to rebut the presumption that they weren't eligible for asylum. And uh, I've alluded to this before, but let me just briefly tell you what that means. Those are individuals who asserted that if they were to be sent back to Mexico or sent back home, that they were going to be subject to criminal predation, murder, assault, rape, uh, extortion, you know, very high level of extortion or something like that. And then an additional 88% of those people uh, who were subject to expedited removal, DHS determined were subject to the presumption that they weren't eligible for asylum. So with respect to that smaller group, or that larger group, that 88% of them, only 42% of them were able to show the requisite level of fear, show that they actually had any fear of being returned home. And I think that that really is the component that many in the press miss. Most of the people who entered the United States illegally, you know, they're all deemed asylum seekers, and yet very few of them, George, come with legitimate asylum claims. Remember, asylum isn't meant to, uh, you know, uh, protect you against poverty or, you know, corruption or uh, uh, situations of uh, social disorder or, you know, food shortages or anything else. It's only there to protect you against persecution. And that's a pretty high standard based on your race, your religion, your nationality, your member, your membership in a particular social group or your political opinion. So, you know, Americans sort of have this vision of asylum in their minds for political opponents from, you know, behind the Iron Curtain during Cold War or people who were, you know, uh, fleeing uh, torture in Cuba uh, at the hands of the communist government down there. It's not meant to be a cure-all for all of the world's uh, problems. And in fact, Congress and the courts have said this many times. And in fact, Congress could extend, uh, you know, the asylum protection to all of those other people if it wanted to. But it knows that if it were to do that, basically would open the doors to everyone else. In fact, let me give you an interesting statistic that I heard the other day. This might surprise you or shock you. The... uh, per capita GDP in West Virginia is higher than the per capita GDP in the United Kingdom. And the average wages that are earned in West Virginia are higher than the average wages that are earned in the United Kingdom. So we never think of West Virginia being a wealthy state. In fact, if you've been there, it's beautiful, but you also know that there are you know huge pockets of poverty, gripping poverty, the sort that most Americans are unfamiliar with. And yet, people in West Virginia actually enjoy a higher standard of living than almost anybody else in the world. So uh, a lot of people on the left will use this American standard and talk about people coming for a better uh, life. 
if that were the standard, everybody in the world would qualify for asylum in the United States, but it's not. And as uh, Nunez Neto's uh, de- declaration shows, most of the people who show up at the border who actually ask for asylum aren't eligible for asylum. Wow. It is. It, it really, truly is a shell game that they're playing. And uh, sadly, the media plays along with it. I mean, they don't investigate it deeply. So, yeah, I think... Go ahead. I think that many in the media are, you know, concerned that they're going to be accused of being heartless or, uh, you know, indifferent or, you know, hateful even uh, if they bring up the fact that, you know, most of these folks don't have legitimate asylum claims. In fact, if you read almost any newspaper, you know, even the New York Times or the Washington Post where they interview migrants... Those people are telling you that they're coming because they got family here or because they want to make more money or they want better schools for their kids. Those are all good things. And I've moved, you know, within the United States myself in order to secure those very things. The problem is that it's not a free ticket into the United States, no matter how you cut it. They just never tell you that part. Correct. Correct. All right. Thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us today. Uh, let the folks know where they can read more uh, of your articles. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, CIS.org, Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, I'm at the top of the list. Actually, I'm right behind my boss, Mark Gregorian, notwithstanding the fact that he would fall below me in alphabetical order. And I generally write about every day or sometimes twice a day about breaking immigration issues. And I also commend you. Uh, the work that's being done by uh, my colleagues, uh, Todd Bensman, who does a lot of reporting, uh, actually interviewing migrants on both sides of the border, talking to government officials and throughout he, the he's Americas. He's a regular guest about, on our show. He's a regular guest on our show, yes. Yeah, and I'm afraid that he's going to outshine me, George, so I probably shouldn't even mention him. Of course, Mark <laughs> Gregorian, who is probably America's you know thought leader uh, when it comes to immigration. I'm a proud man, and those words stick in my throat. Uh, George Fishman, who, of course, was uh, the uh, chief counsel for the Immigration Subcommittee for decades. Uh, and, you know, many of my other great colleagues who were doing, you know, great work, uh, you know, explaining uh, what can be a very complicated system, hopefully in very uh, simple terms, uh, so that we can, you know, inform people, give people the information they really just don't get from most of the media. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Thank you very much for being with us, Hart. Thank you so much, George. My best to you and all of your listeners. Thank Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.